keep learning about Jesus. If you have your Bibles, I'd take you, invite you to take them and turn with me to John chapter 15 this morning. John chapter 15, as we look at this subject of abiding, we look at this subject of discipleship. Thank you, Pastor Stewart. We talk about, oh, the little ones are the church of the future. In many ways, they are the church of today. And we have to be mindful of that. That's the importance of pouring into them and teaching them how we respond to God's goodness and grace in worship. I love love the little ones, and, and they are always a blessing to our heart. They're always an encouragement you know me, I love people. I love to watch people and watching little Sela over here this morning as he's worshiping. He, um, he, he kind of responded the way that I think we all want to respond. He had a, a book on his little chair and he went to look at it. And after about two seconds, he just put his head bang right on the chair on top of the book. And I, I think that's at some level how we feel right now where we have the word and, and we have to, we just have to place our lives in the truth and on the truth of the word. <clears throat> I need to pray first before we look into the word this morning. Father, we love you. We thank you for your timing that although we do not fully understand, you are perfectly sovereign that you do not make a mistake as you have called us to worship you. We've opened your word before us. Your presence is here and, and felt certainly today with your Holy Spirit. And we thank you for the ministry of your spirit. Father, we do pray for our dear sister, Linnell, and, and Abby and Elliot, and Halen, and Kylie. And their spouses, and Jane Linnell's grandchildren. We pray, Lord, for the fact that as we focus on you, and we even focus on this subject of what it looks like to abide and what it looks like to make disciples, I am thankful for the example that has been lived before us that we have the privilege of knowing and calling as our brother. Father, please help me this morning. Please may you just empower and equip. Give me clarity of thought and mind and speech. Please, we ask this in the amazing and wonderful and matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. The subject of abiding in Christ we'll look at in just a moment. The subject of discipleship. And we, we talked about the fact last week that, that at some level, there's, there's some, just call it what it is. Church, we've got a problem where there's a breakdown in one of the basic commands that we have been given as a church, and that's to make disciples. At some level, and we look at it not just, not just right in front of us, but the evangelical church as a whole, where we saw unprecedented numbers, numbers like we've never seen before, of younger people abandoning their faith and just walking away from the Lord, walking away from church. We looked last week what Pew Research actually said, that, that, that evangelical Christians know less about their faith, how to defend their own faith, what they believe in, why they believe in Jews, than Mormons that believe a cult 
and atheists who don't even believe that there's a God can actually defend why there's no God better than some evangelical Christians can. At some level, we have abandoned the basics of what it means to, to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. A lot of people say, yeah, I'm a Christian. I follow Christ, but there's not a lot of following going on. And so we, we look at this this morning. And I have to just, I just have to move off notes. I mean, examine what has happened before us. A lot of people don't know this. May the 1st, 2011, my first Sunday, our first Sunday here. Rejoicing, ex- excited about where God has called us. On a personal level, we also that evening received a phone call from our son then a sophomore in college, struggling in his faith, struggling in every single way that young people struggle today. And I knew at some level that his faith has to expand outside of of his own dad and mom. It, It has to. And and as we began to pour into our son I said, there, there's one person, there's one person I want you to spend time with. Now, now think, we've been like just, just weeks in our relationship, a couple months by way of communication and, and having made a couple trips, but the very first meal that we ever ate as, as part of the body of Big Woods was at Jalen L. Gaunt's home, the first bed that we ever slept in, we were guests in their home. And as we had met many, many people in our church, and there are many good, good men that I would love for my son to to live like and to act like and to talk like. There was one, I said, Seth, I want you to spend time with one man. He's a great man. I want you to just literally follow him around. Literally, they went for walks up in the hills and in the mountains. He literally walked in his footsteps. And Jay took Seth under his arm. Jalen now traveled to to Jerusalem to be there when Seth married Emily. The the, the neat thing is, is I'm thinking about what does it look like to abide and what does it look like to make disciples? This is what it looks like. That's what we're called to do. We're called to have someone whose life looks a lot like Jesus' life. And we just follow them, talk the way they talk, walk the way that they walk. The last day, the last day of life on this earth, yesterday. Linnell was telling me that they started like every other day that they have for, what, 42 years of marriage. They opened up the Word. They turned to Psalm chapter 15. They had coffee. And they read the Word together. Psalm 15. You know, you think about this whole idea here. What exists in our church? And, and if we look at, 
an overindulgence, maybe at some level, apathy that exists, indifference, a lack of a fear of God, perhaps an infatuation of that which is around us or surrounds us. All of these things that have distracted, or we could begin to say, what? We could waste a lot of time on trying to come up with with pointing fingers at why the church has has failed at some level with discipleship. It's got to be the Democrats' fault, right? No, it's it's these hard right-wingers, these Republicans. Totally. We could come up with a long list. It's the pandemic. It's COVID's fault. It separated people. It's the economy. No, 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 it's video games. That's the problem right there. It's smartphones. I made a list here. It's the New England Patriots' fault, as far as I'm concerned. We could come up with a long list of why is it that something has distracted us. Stuart just described it with those little ones. You take a grape off the vine. And it shrivels up. We got raisin bran. No, raisins stink. You know that compared to a grape. It's not even close. Not even close. And that's what this whole idea is to stay connected. I am the vine. You're the branches. Those who abide in me will bear much fruit. Abide in me bear much fruit. We open up to John chapter 50. I'll get to the text, I hope. I don't know. But before we even get to John 15, this whole subject, in John chapter 15, verses 1 through 17, 11 different times the word abide is used. 11 times. Give attention to that. But before we even get to John chapter 15 and John chapter 8, it makes this statement. We've all heard this statement. You can finish it. You shall know the truth. And what? And the truth shall set you free. Everybody knows that. That's all over the place. Howard University in the library, University of Texas on the clock tower, the CIA in Langley, Virginia, etched in marble on the wall. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Everybody knows that in this world. But what they don't know is that at the front of that statement, there's a comma. There's a comma, which means it's connected to a previous statement. Rather than everybody knowing, what John chapter 8, verse 32 says, you should know the truth and truth shall set you free. Nobody knows what John chapter 8, verse 31 says. Let me tell you what it says. It's connected. It says this. If, conditional, if, if you abide in my word, then you're my disciples. You should know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. That's a pretty big condition, isn't it? Everybody wants the truth. Everybody wants freedom. But nobody wants to wake up on the day that they die and go to the Word. When there are so many things that are vying for our attention. 
The word abide literally is defined as to continue in a daily personal relationship in this context with Jesus. Abide. A daily personal relationship with Jesus characterized by love, by trust, prayer, obedience, and joy. To be connected. Now again, as I began this morning, our focus will always be primarily on the Lord Jesus Christ and the Lord Jesus Christ alone. That's where our focus is to be. But you know what? In God's gift and in His grace to us, He allows us to know people so we, we know how to live like they've lived. And I began to look at what, what is this abide looks like. And it's, it's, a, it's, it's a view of Jay Gaunt's life characterized by love. If you've been at Big Woods any longer, any time longer than, than one or two weeks, you would see Jay greeting us and directing and steering and showing love. Pastor Tim, how, how can I serve you today? Is there anything that you need? Is there something I can do for you? That's love. Love, abide, what characterized by trust, trusting in Jesus, in prayer. Over 30 years, over 30 years, every single Friday morning, Jagon has gathered with other men, Craig Brady, St. Padaleth, and has begun their day, what, in prayer. Six o'clock in the morning. I told you, we were, we were candidating here. We hadn't even officially like, signed on the dotted line, and we stayed at Jay and Linnell's. And I'm like, like, oh man, I know about this. I'm like, this is going to be really hard. And Jay knocks on the door at 5.45 in the morning. You know me, I'm a 9 to 5 guy, okay? Don't get me up at 5.45. And he knocks on the door. Hey, psst, Pastor Tim, you want to come to prayer? Well, of course. <laughs> Do I have to put pants on? We haven't even signed yet. And he drug me down to his neighbor's house, poured the greatest cup of coffee, and we just prayed with a group of men. They've been doing that for 30 years, and I've only seen it the last 10 years. Every single Friday morning, my alarm goes off at 5.45. You see, it's, 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 being characterized by these things of what it means to abide. Abide in me and I and you, the branch, cannot bear fruit unless it abides in me. And we all want to produce fruit, but nobody wants to do the abiding part. She says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me bears much fruit. Let's, let's look just briefly, and I don't know, we'll see. John chapter 15, let me direct your attention. This is, this is where the rubber's going to hit the road for us as a church. Down to verse 12. John chapter 15, verse 12. This is what it looks like. Upper room discourse. Last meeting that Jesus has with those closest to him. Okay? There are guys that are totally confused and totally terrified. And Jesus leaves them with these words. In the upper room discourse. This is my commandment. Men. There are the twelve disciples. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. 
Greater love has no one than this. And someone lay down his life for his friends. You, 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 I think he points to me, he says, you, you are my friends. If, if, it's conditional again. You're a friend of Jesus if you do what I command you. I don't call you, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Listen very carefully to verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. There's not, there's not one ounce within us. There's not one bit of our ability that we could ever choose. But God looks down and he chooses us. He chooses you. Romans chapter 9, we're going to launch into that next week. Romans 8, everyone's applauding God's love. Nothing will ever separate you. And everyone's cheering at Romans chapter 8. And Romans chapter 9 says, yeah, but I, I choose you. I have predestined you. I have elected you. I've called you. It's a calling towards obedience. And I love, just think for a moment here about this whole idea of being chosen for this role and particularly who Jesus is speaking to. The disciples didn't choose Jesus. Jesus chose them. God select, selected people that you and I would never choose. The ones that we would point out and say, yeah, yeah, back of the bus. They're the ones that God chooses. Just, just shine the spotlight. Not, not even the, the rough, tough fishermen, okay, that we always give a hard time. Peter, Andrew, James, and John. Sons of, not even those guys. Just examine. Let's put a little bit of a light here on who it is that God chooses. Think about Matthew, the tax collector. Tax collector is what? Who just basically lied and stole money all the time. Tax collectors, in a sense, who collaborated with Rome and were hated. They were hated by the zealots. And yet, in the same group whom Jesus chose, there's what? There's Simon, who was a zealot. What was, what was that? That's a group of political radicals whose number one goal was simply getting rid of Rome's influence. So what does Jesus do? He points people, he pulls them in, he chooses them, and they're people, they're guys from the opposite ends of the spectrum. Okay, we have the tax collector, Rome, 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 and then we have Simon the Zealot who says, what? Let's get rid of these people. And what does Jesus do? He calls them together and he says, hey guys, love one another. <laughs> you, you got it, you got it, like, come on. You got to see what's happening here. And that's exactly what happens with us. God has chosen you. And then he pulls you and he puts you together with a group of people. 
And we look around here. And he says, I want you to love them. I want you to love them. You rejoice with those who rejoice. And you weep with those who weep. No, excuse me, I like to rejoice when I want to rejoice. And that's not what, it's called, that's not what we're called to. You see, that, that's, that's the idea of the fact that you and I have been chosen for this role of discipleship. It's like, it's like cats and dogs. Bring them together. Love one another. Lions and lambs. And yet he has the audacity to command them to love one another, to grow in your affections towards one another. What does that look like? It means being real. It means confess your faults and your sins to one another as opposed to pretending like your life is perfect. We use a term, I don't know where it came from, we, we bury the hatchet. Whatever the, the past was, the last offense. People who love one another, people who are, who are chosen for this role, they put the past behind them. Well, yeah, but they said something. Like, I don't even remember when, but they said something. And I don't know why, but I just don't like them. Well, I can go to church with them, sure, but I just don't. No, no, you just move beyond that. Relational relational kind of connections and we hold with our little holy huddle right here and then they're over there all of that goes by the wayside it's all gone and yet none of this can happen none of this love for one another can happen unless what unless we abide unless we stay vitally attached to the vine the vine. The single most important relationship that you have is your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me, because I don't think, I think we hear that, but we then we don't, we don't flesh it out. Let me, just, let me just repeat that. The single most important relationship that you have is with the Lord Jesus Christ, which means what? It's more important than the relationship with your boyfriend or your girlfriend. Yeah, but he just, is, he just, he just takes my breath away. No, the most important relationship is with the Lord Jesus Christ. More important than a relationship that you have with your own spouse. Yeah, but that's, that's my, that's like, we're like, we're like connected. No, no, you're going to be a better wife. When your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is number one. You're going to be a better husband. You're going to be more faithful and sacrificial in your love. When your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is number one. And you see what happens is, is like, yeah, but this is my baby daughter right here. And like she is like my gift. Yes, she is a gift. And yes, yes, you're to love your little ones. But you love them less than you love the Lord Jesus Christ. When a lot of this world's what influence and talk is, is what? It's you, you, those around you, and then you kind of pencil in a 15-minute or a 45-minute block somewhere to, to do what the church thing is. No, 
The most important relationship that you have is with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the abiding, which means there's nourishment back and forth. Every day, the Lord's going to speak to me through his word. Every day, I'm going to cry out to the Lord. He's going to hear me. The Lord Jesus Christ at this very moment. As Jay Gaunt was ushered into his presence this morning. Someone used, I think Aaron was praying or mad. Somebody said, there's a, there's a part of this that we're jealous. We're jealous for Jay. We've always kind of been jealous of Jay anyway. <laughs> like everything. As he's ushered into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, do you realize that the same Lord Jesus Christ that Jay falls before and worships is interceding on your behalf. I, I, can, I can say some stupid things, forgive me. And, and I've done some really stupid things that would separate me, that would pull me away from my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet, do you know who stands in my defense? The Holy Spirit advocates for me. The Holy Spirit is pleading on my behalf to the Lord Jesus Christ, who is seated at the right hand of God the Father, and all three of them as one are saying, Boger's trying here, and he loves you, and he has, what, been bought by your shed bloods. Any one of us, any one of us who acknowledge the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, then Jesus, what, intercedes on our behalf. The Holy Spirit advocates for us. That's the reason all of our attention been chosen for this role to go and make disciples, to baptize, to teach them all. You've been appointed to this responsibility. You've been given a job to do. You know, when you were little and, and your dad or your mom said, hey, come here, son, for a minute. I got a, I got a job for you. And before we realized like, what work was, we thought, this is so cool. We can help out. In a sense, we have been appointed with a responsibility. You've been designated. You've been assigned. And there's very specific instruction here. Here's how it starts. Here's the instruction that has been given to all of us. Okay? Here it is. Listen very carefully. Okay? Don't get the instruction wrong. Go. That's the instruction. Like, we start there. It's one syllable, two letters, it's a verb. It means what? It means move, action at some level. It means what? Put the remote down. Put the phone away. And, and it implies what? Go. Get, get up. Do. This is not difficult. Jesus started with this basic instruction that says you cannot follow and remain stagnant. You can't do it. Be still and know that I am God. Yes, yes, we understand that. And that's the communing time. That's the abiding time. But at some level, okay, the cloistered monks got it wrong. They can't just chain them. You can't chain yourselves to the wall in your, in your quietness. And it's just going to be me being still. No, at some level, you have to go. 
That's what we're called to do. Don't confuse it. Don't misunderstand it. Don't ignore it. Don't disobey that command. Get off the couch. That's, what we're, that's what's happening here. And it says what? Baptizing them. Make sure what? You direct them to the very first step that we ever take in faith. Is acknowledging that we have died to ourselves. That's what baptism is. You're showing everyone. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I'll identify with the death, burial, and resurrection. We go under the water. We come back out again to walk in the newness of life. I'm not quite ready to be baptized yet, Pastor Tim. What are you waiting for? It's still going to be wet. I don't understand this. Just waiting for the right time. Uh, 10 tens, pretty good time. We're to be obedient, and we want to teach people to observe, and I love this one word, all that I have commanded. To observe, to to keep an eye on, to hold fast, to observe all, which means what? I don't get to call the shots on what, what I teach and what I don't teach. I'm just supposed to teach the whole counsel of the Word of God. Yeah, but there's some like really like, it, it says that two men should not be married. Like you're going to upset some people. No, I'm sorry. The word of God says two men cannot be married. Two women. Well, I, I, I identify as this. I'm sorry. You were born a man or a woman. And the word of God says that God, what in perfect creation, has male and female. And you're one or the other. And what the whole counsel of God says that we teach that, although people are going to get upset and pastors will go to jail because they hold on to that truth in the not-too-distant future. When the Word of God says, deny yourself, how are you going to put a ribbon on that little baby? How are you going to package that? Well, what it really means is, no, no, you can't misinterpret it. It means forget about yourself. For a moment here, you deny yourself and you follow, even if it's going to cost you your life, you deny yourself. And if the Word of God says that we are to teach people to observe, to watch, to hold on to, to cling, all, then you better include that. And when the Word of God says that you are the light of the world, that you are not to what? Put a, a cover on your light and stay cloistered in your home because you're afraid. No, it says what? If you're light, then, then you shine brightly for everyone to see and everyone to hear. You heard the testimony just yesterday of one of Jay Linnell's dear friends who they've been praying for his salvation. And after just watching, probably watching the backside of Jay as he was in front of him on a bike, he watched him and he watched him. And just this past week, he said, I want to follow the Jesus that that man follows. And he accepted the Lord as Lord and Savior. That's being the light for everyone. Don't put a bushel over when it says what? You love your enemies, 
That means you love those who despitefully use you, hurt you, lied about you, stole from you. No, they're the people that you have at the top of your prayer list. And Jesus says you cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve God and money. Then what do we teach? It means you, you, better, you better call it what it is. We have to teach all. And the Lord Jesus Christ says, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. I'm going to go and I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to take you to be with me. Because I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes into the Father but by me. That's what we teach. Yeah, but it sounds pretty exclusive. Like you guys kind of have the corner market on like eternity. No, we do have the corner market. The word of God alone is what? Full and absolute and all truth. That's where we focus. And we have been promised a reward. It says that we will bear fruit that will last. There is so much that we give our time and attention to, that we pour our funds into, and we give our interest to, that simply does not last. I remember years ago working on a little birdhouse, and, like, and I'm cutting the little wood, and I'm nailing it and painting it. I'm like, wow, this is like the greatest thing, and I like made a birdhouse. Wow. Hung it outside. There wasn't one bird that ever came near that thing. All that effort and all that attention, all that work. Where's that birdhouse today? That was like 27 moves ago. We got rid of that birdhouse. Nothing lasts except what? You have been, you have been promised. You've been given a promise that you actually can bear fruit. And it's fruit that will last. So look to your left and to your right. The only thing that's going to last around here. The word of God and the souls of mankind. Begin to pour your life into the soul of another life. And that's when we're obedient. That's what it means to make disciples. It's only going to happen when we stay connected to the vine. You doing that? I'm pretty busy. No, 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 you're not. You're not. You, no one's too busy. Everyone has the time to stop. And pull someone aside and say, how can I minister to you today? How can, I, how can I love you better than I have in the past? May we be faithful to the calling that God has given to us. May we stay faithful, abiding, and clinging to the vine, the Lord Jesus Christ. I praise the Lord that in my little tiny little life that God has given to me that the Lord has allowed me to witness firsthand in the lives of people who are abiders. May we learn from those examples. May we celebrate and thank the Lord Jesus Christ. And may we be faithful to abide in him, he in us, so we bear fruit, fruit that will last. That's the soul's of mankind. Father, we love you. We thank you for your patience and your grace with us. Please, please, we plead with you. Lead us and use us for your glory. In your name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> <clears throat>